Welcome to the Megavision Sideshow, the companion to the companion podcast of Megavisions Magazine, where we stray away from gaming news and what we've been playing to talk about just one movie, TV show, maybe a single game or genre. Today is March 8th, 2020, and I'm Chris, the editor of Megavisions, and joining me this week is Sketchcraft. How's it going, man? I'm here. I made it. On, on time. All right. Yeah, okay. Sure. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on time the second time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. You are. Absolutely. Um, so in this week's episode, we're discussing Dragon Quest, your story, which is based on the story from Dragon Quest V. And it was released in Japan on August 2nd, 2019 but was released worldwide on Netflix on February 13th, 2020. Uh, The film has a running time of 103 minutes. It's rated PG, and it was released theatrically in Japan, where it grossed about $11 million and uh, was distributed by Toho. And uh, so the the synopsis of the story goes like this. It's, uh, like I said, it's adapted from Dragon Quest V, um, and it follows Luca who is uh, following his father's footsteps to rescue his mother from an evil sorcerer of sorts named Laja uh, and finding the heavenly hero who wields the Zenithian sword is his only hope. Um, So this was an interesting movie uh, sketch. This was your suggestion. You picked this one. Uh, So kind of tell me what it is you wanted to. What's that? I'm the one to blame. <laughs> no, 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 no. I really enjoy this movie, but we'll get into that. Um, no, I just wanted to see, like, what was it about the movie that you wanted to do the episode on? And then also uh, tell us a little bit about, like, your history with the Dragon Quest series, because obviously it means a lot to you, right? Right. So, look, the reason why I wanted to cover the movie was because you guys keep picking fucking films that I can't stand to watch. Like, <laughs> like, hey, yeah, we picked gold. War Games is the best game picked so far, and it wasn't even your suggestion, right? Like, it was someone else's. Oh, it was funny when we did War Games, there's one scene where there's a Sega game in the background. I'm like, is this why we're watching this movie? Like, because there's a there's Sega the game. connection. If that's all there is, we could cover Terminator 2 now, right? Because oh, we don't we don't need a connection. We threw that out a long time ago. It I, doesn't need a Sega connection anymore. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay just checking, yep. just checking. So, um, this released the same week as the Sonic movie. And that whole week I had planned, and we did it when we did the Sonic review, I just wanted to tell everyone I watched this movie that I've been waiting 30 years to watch, featuring a blue fucking mascot character. <laughs> <laughs> you go down the list and it sounds like Sonic, but I'm like, ah, Dragon Quest, your story is amazing! You, you know, it was funny because it was before we are supposed to start talking about the movie and I could hear you getting like mad but <laughs> god damn it sketch what's he doing he's chicken oh like i would never steal your lane. i would never steal the thunder you know oh. like, um, <laughs> but but look with dragon quest my my history goes back to oh, somewhere around 87 88 probably 88 uh, so my dad <laughs> my dad was a bit of a womanizer Right, so uh, a little bit of a player. Most lady. dads are. A little bit yeah, of, so but my, okay. dad, my dad owned his own security company, and his primary client was a strip club. So look, I'm, just, I'm just letting you know, I had a whole interesting childhood. Um, <laughs> but my dad had his sight sets on this one lady who got married. <laughs> we went to their first Christmas reception at this really fancy house. And uh, spoilers, years later, she got divorced and guess who ended up at my house one Christmas. So, yeah, we were at, okay. this, but we were at this house and I was bored as shit because, you know, rich people throw... Have you ever been to a r- really wealthy person party? Like, Yes. It's I'm weird. Poor. 
So I'm used to Otter Pops and, you know, name brand cola. And, like, they'd have pizza with tomatoes on it. And I was like, where's the fucking pepperoni, man? Like, like, <laughs> like a margarita pizza? It was, dude, it was pepperoni. It was tomatoes and capers. Now, I'm fucking seven, and this is 1988. So you're just like, ah, I don't know how to eat this shit. So I took my sorry-ass pizza upstairs where there was a Nintendo. And these kids were playing, I don't know, Zelda 2 or something. And they left. And so I saw this thing called Dragon Warrior. I don't know what it was. It was a dude fighting a dragon. Fantasy wasn't my thing. I didn't even like Willow. But I put it in. How dare you? I know. I put it in and was blown away by, like, here's a game that I don't have to fucking, like, I mean, we call it Twitch gaming now, right? But, like, I don't have to, like, mash the buttons. You know, I could, Mm -hmm. like, take my tech and talk to people, write shit down. And I remember playing this close to the same time I played Maniac Mansion. And, like, that was, like, my kind of narrative storytelling. But I love the... the, like the characters were big when you fought the, the 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 golems or the slimes, you know they had personality. I could see them smiling. I mean, to go back to the NES days, you didn't really see a lot of personality in characters until like really Mario Two had a little bit of it because of the the sprite size. But like Mario Three was maybe you know what I mean. Like you weren't getting when you got a NES game, it was you know like the characters were zoomed out you know they didn't have expression right. they didn't really have emotion too much capcom was the closest thing like sometimes or ninja guy with the cutscenes but so i didn't know what the fuck dragon warrior was but it blew my mind and i remember coming to that christmas party going i want this game and um i'd asked the kid there how where did he get it you know and he's like i got it with nintendo power i'm like what so I couldn't get my dad to get me a Nintendo Power subscription since the first issue. They sent the first issue out for free. But when I told him that it came with a free video game, you know what I mean? Like I could somehow like he's like free video game, you know, twenty bucks free game, bunch of magazines. There's some good value there. Yeah, yeah. So he got me that, and I got Dragon Warrior in the mail with the map and the, the, this little mini strategy guide. I fucking love the game. You know, like it, it wasn't. It wasn't easy and it was broke as shit. Like I remember yeah. you'd get to a point where you could only go so far and then I had to I, I experienced my first grinding session. Took me four months to get my character. You had to grind like crazy in that game, I remember. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um <laughs> But that was it. That's all I played. I never got to play two through four because my dad refused to buy video games um until the Sega Genesis came out and they did not carry for whatever reason, Dragon Warriors two through four at Blockbuster to rent. You know, not that I'd ever have a chance of beating those fucking games. Were crazy. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to play another Dragon Quest until Dragon Quest Seven came out um, on the PSX, which I was really looking forward to. But for some reason or another, there was something about the way they did the graphics that I love Final Fantasy Tactics, and at the time I was on a Tactics kick, so the Seven didn't resonate with me like I thought it would. Um, until eight came out and eight stands is like shining forces like shining force one and two is like my coup de gras you know what i mean like like number one rpg series and then dragon quest eight and then probably like corona trigger and seven and whatever else but eight stands above to me as like the perfect universe for dragon quest um i did not get to play dragon quest five until it came out on the ds way later so um, <clears throat> I did get to enjoy quite a bit of it. I don't, I don't think I, I finished it because it's these games are a hundred hours, you know. And, and as you yeah, as you develop insane. your your skills as a as a freelance artist, you realize I don't have a hundred hours for a game. I have a hundred hours for a Mega Visions cover, 
but I don't <laughs> <laughs> not for playing Dragon Quest. But I love that Akira Toriyama RPG style. I mean, to the point where I even fucking bought Blue Dragon when it came out because I wanted some kind of like RPG feeling for it. You know, some some RPG Toriyama love. I did, I didn't really like make the connection that he was the same artist like that did like the Dragon Ball stuff. I just I I, I must have like years later seen him like oh this looks like Dragon Ball and then I found out that it's oh it's by you know Akira Toriyama that same guy I'm like oh that makes a lot of sense but I've always loved the art style and and the character design of these these uh well there was series. a giant disconnect I, I loved it when in the battle screens in Dragon War you get the Toriyama character designs in the top down sprites obviously not anywhere near as much and then in sure. all the artwork nothing you know like but I knew like the artwork was different you know and I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't get to re-experience the perfect version. This is what drew me to Shining Force was, oh, look, there's giant portraits and they're, they look like anime characters and they, they actually animate down their faces when you talk to them and, and these big battle screens that aren't... Like Final Fantasy didn't appeal to me because the battles were like the same sprites. You know what I mean? Just sitting there. But with like right. Dragon Quest and Shining Force, you were getting these alternate battle screens and the characters were drawn huge and they were animated. Really, I mean, Dragon Quest not so much in the first game, but... Fantasy Star did that uh, really well too, I think. Yeah, and Fantasy Star had those cool little like anime like cutscenes that would like overlap one another, which I thought was really cool. I was like, how come more games don't do this? So, but that's my relationship to Dragon Quest to the point that when they announced that they were making a CGI movie, I was like, well, I wonder how they're going to go about this. You know, like um, when the first trailer came out, I was pleasantly shocked. Like I was like, this. I get that it looks more Pixar-y. I get that, but. Um, they do want it to appeal to a worldwide audience. I guess that was their feeling. Uh, however, it's still very Toriyama. I mean, you don't go into this and not think that the characters aren't stylized beyond. A, it doesn't look like a Pixar clone, you know, in that respect. But on any, yeah, it, that was one of the the things that I noticed like immediately. Like it, the the movie looks fantastic. Like it looks every bit uh, as as well done as you know, like any you know. A big budget Hollywood animated film release in theaters, in my no opinion. Joke. I mean, uh, no joke. I mean, when you go, you put it right next to you know one of those Grinch movies, uh, mm-hmm. Birds. How are they on Birds Eight right now? Like whatever the, the Minions films. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like How to Train Your Dragon, I think might be a good comparison to like uh, like the the way the characters are kind of animated and stuff and look. But you're right. Like they 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 went away from the the like the direct Toriyama design and it's it's like they ha- still have elements of it for sure um but they've made it more i guess like you said like a more generic kind of pixar style to it as well um but i think it still looks really good it, it you could still tell it has that dragon quest style to it you know what i mean it's not completely uh like void of that no, I'm not mistaking it for anything other than, you know, because especially mm-hmm. the monsters, like they kept the, the faces. I think that, um, look, I just think that when you put marketing groups together, you know, they go, this looks like Dragon Ball to a lot of people, which, you know, is not a bad thing to me, but could be misleading to, you know, I don't know. It's weird because it never came over here theatrically. So it's like they did all that and then it ended up on Netflix whatever like <laughs> yeah i think that probably was a good move i don't know how well this movie would have done in theaters right, 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 right. um 
I, you know, I just, I, I, I'm not sure uh, if, if this, obviously I don't think Dragon Quest has the name value that would just on that alone, make it like do well in theaters. Um, But I just, I don't know how well this would have done. It it could have done fine. I don't know. I I think it's a fantastic movie uh, overall. And uh, my kids actually, uh, Christopher and Odin watched it with me and they really, really liked it. Um, I guess we should just like jump in to the movie itself. Now Uh, we will be getting into some spoilers uh, later on and we will announce that like before we get in into the spoiler territory. Um, If you haven't watched it, I really suggest before we get into spoilers that you stop uh, because there is a fairly large like spoiler towards the end of the movie um, that uh, I, I'm not sure if you'd want spoiled for you. So um, with that, uh, we can jump into it. So I didn't realize like going into this movie that it's basically based on like Dragon Quest five until I started doing some research on it. Um, did Dragon Quest V get released over here in the States? On the DS. Um, yeah, on the got, DS, but years nice, later, right? You got a, yeah, I got a wonderful remaster. Um, really, really, really good looking on the DS, yeah. And it's, nice. it's widely considered in Japan to be the best Dragon Quest. A lot of people would say story-wise it's the best Dragon Quest. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't... I get that. For me, you know, I, I, I always go, well, I love fucking 8. Fuck everybody. <laughs> you know, like, I just... I, I don't know. But five story wise would definitely be number two for me, like without a doubt. Yeah, I really like how the film opens uh, because it basically takes the graphics from Dragon Quest five and it tells you kind of the backstory uh, of of what's going on, like getting you up to speed uh, through like graphics in the game. So it's like as if you were actually playing Dragon Quest five. It all comes through there. Uh, I thought that was just a really interesting way to start the movie out and immediately let you know, like, hey, this is based on a video game. Uh, And it it took me a minute to kind of realize what was going on. But I I thought that was kind of a clever way to um, to kind of link those two right off the bat. What do you think of that? Yeah. So this is where I need to I need to. One second. I need to bring up the spoiler because I think the lens Here's the thing. If you're listening now and you've already watched the movie, you know where the spoiler is. You know, you know what what it, what it does. And and if you're just trying to get to the point where we talk about that, and that somehow is something that's added on to the movie at the end, I do not believe it is. I believe this whole film is 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 shot through the lens of a user player. Hence, that's why the movie's called Your Story. It's your personal experience with Dragon Quest. And so the premise of the end of the movie, it sets up that this whole thing we're watching is a Dragon Quest experience. They're actually in an arcade. You can see above the arcade it says Dragon Quest experience. Yeah. And if you've ever played a number of VR games, and as as all of the listeners here know, I I do often. <laughs> a lot of times, these VR games aren't fully fleshed out games or experiences. Arkham Asylum being like probably the most, you know, uh, example of that, or the Spider-Man Far From Home demos. Like, there's like these little, like, it's a slice of a game yeah it's a slice of a something and so in the movie he mentions how like this it's a he's been through this this is a second it's different playthroughs and he's only been in the game for about three hours so he's getting this prologue as like you know i imagine like the loading screen you know like you kind of go do 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 and you get a little bit of a setup and then you get to go and experience um the highlights 
from the game um, remixed a little bit, obviously, for like, you know what I mean? Like, they cut out a lot of story elements that would have required 20 more hours to explain. So, like, right. they, they streamline. And that's that's what you're watching the movie from. When, what I love about this is this right here, this opening, not just, oh, it's like a game. It's showing you that it's a game. It's, it's This is how you came to experience the game. Everyone mm-hmm. played this game. This is how you experienced it. So, like, we're all ha- the the user, us, the gamers, actually, you know, the protagonist of the story. You just don't know it yet, you know. And we're all having a very similar look. It's in a small way. It's like when you watch a Sonic movie and you get that Marvel like opening with all the different screens of the Sega games. You know what I mean? Being played. Yeah. And you were like, I never once fucking thought I'd see Afterburner blown up. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or space harrier you know what i mean on a fucking screen in a movie this is crazy so um i thought that this was really really good and uh on a second watch through when you watch through it you'll you'll understand what i'm talking about like it wasn't just picked to sh- to to put pixels in front of the movie to let you know it's a vi- based off a video game you know right it's because like it's irrelevant if if this were just a fantasy story, then that would be irrelevant to let you know it was a video game. They probably wouldn't even want you to know. They would just be like, you don't do that with Angry Birds, right? You don't start off with the fucking phone <laughs> game and then kick into the story. What the reason for it is because you're getting this backstory prologue uh, as the user playing the game in VR. And so basically, um, what do, what does that prologue like set up? Like, what's the story uh, that it sets up for for us as we're watching it? Well, it sets the born the uh, Luca being born. You know, is mm-hmm. you know the typical hero's journey. The the father and the, the mother dies, and then they they go off and from the kingdom, and they have to live out. You know, they got to defeat the evil dude. Uh, I'm horrible with fucking names, folks. So, you know, Chris, if you, <laughs> his, if you his wanna... father's name's uh, Pancraze. Thank you. And uh, Luca is like our hero, basically. He's yeah. uh, the the one that the story follows. Uh, here's, where I get into, here's where I get nostalgic, and I've mentioned this before. You ever see a, a movie in the '80s called Lucas? Of course. Sorry, mm-hmm. Corey. Hayne. I think we, what's weird, we mentioned that like a couple of episodes ago too. Yeah, this but... is when I spoiled the movie for you, but you forgot we talked about this. Mm. So, um, <laughs> but I'm glad I forgot. <laughs> for whatever reason, that movie really it really struck me as a kid because I was. I was bullied the shit out of, you know? So that was the first movie that dealt with bullying, like, in a real way. Like, a real way, you know? Like, mm-hmm. like school, class, yard. Like, class differences in terms of a school. Like, you could never be one of them, even though you try, kind of thing, you know? Um, I see. Yeah. So anytime I played a game, including the first Dragon Warrior, where I could type in my own name, I typed in Lucas. Nice. So when I found out that this was, you know what I mean, it was called Luke. I, I don't really know what any of the characters are, but I was like, oh, Luke, Luke. for me, it was like, hey, it is my story. You know, yeah. this, is, this is my thing. Like, I, I love this. So I thought I thought that was a nice touch um, because they do say it later on. But he he, there's a line where he's like, Lucas is the name I use for all of my characters. And that was yeah. pretty cool because so this is my everyone has a name. <laughs> yeah. Everyone has a name that they always use like their RPGs. And I just, I thought that was just a really cool touch because it, it makes you kind of connect with the character a little bit, even more. So, cause you're like, Oh yeah, that's, that's pretty neat. You know, like I, I, I've done that myself all along and uh, it's just kind of funny. Um, and my wife who was watching it with me, she knows this and she's just looking over me like, shaking her head. Like it's my fucking movie. This is, <laughs> they made it just for Rob. Like, like <laughs> yeah. 
And so once the movie opens up, uh, like you said, it's uh, it has like uh, Luca and his father. They they're living out kind of in the wilderness, um, trying to uh, uh, I guess find it, the. Is, are they looking for the sword right now, or what are they? What is it that they were looking for? Yeah, they're looking for the sword so that you know. Um... They could, the, sword, like a, the sword will reveal the hero. I mean, in every Dragon Quest, there's always like a central hero that will defeat the evil, you know, thing. Um, eight, mm-hmm. not so much. Not not quite that story. Um, so here they're trying to find the sword, and in the game, as I remember, and folks, the last time I played Dragon Quest Five was like ten years ago. But um, as I remember it, this this goes on a long time. I mean, you go on, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like this is one of those things where people look. Well, it should have been a series. I'm like, yeah, I would love to have a series, but that's not what. I'll wrap up with this sort of discussion at the end. But like, it was, you know, like man, they got they got the money to make a fucking movie. You know what I mean? Like, so we're making a movie, and so I think the montage setup here, where they just go to different areas, is is actually really what really well done. I gotta really tell you, man, like the background, some of these two, three, five shots, man, these super widescreen backgrounds are just fucking mm-hmm. gorgeous you know what i mean like just just stunning like to look at like i'm like i just can't believe they just can't believe this exists i mean wouldn't you can't wouldn't the average look we're sega fans here but wouldn't the average video game fan be losing their shit if this was a zelda movie you know what i mean yes yeah mm-hmm. so somehow i feel like the back, some of the the backlash online towards this film is just unfairly due because I'm like, if this were Zelda, Ocarina of fucking time, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think I think people would just be losing their shit. Mine, what? Because I'm I'm not familiar with any of the backlash because I've not been following this at all. Like, it was literally this morning when I started watching it, and that's all I know of it of what I watched. So, what are what have like people been upset about? Like, they, they just don't. Changed. They think at the end they they they. It's it's not a real fantasy film. It's just a VR kid stuck in VR, trapped in VR. You know, sword art kind of like, mm-hmm. and they shoved it in there because that's what's popular is like the general fucking hate. And I'm like, he's not stuck in there. He's going to relive his childhood memories. You know what I mean? It turns out there's right. a virus. You know, and and they go, well, why add the virus? It's not a real character in the game. I'm like, so the slime can be the hero. The lowly, the first creature you ever meet in a Dragon Warrior game, the, the creature is the, the minimum, most minimal amount of fucking thing to do, becomes the hero of the story. You know, mm-hmm. like, like I, I mean, and then at the end, you know, you get, you get to, I mean, we frame things in nostalgia so much now that, you know, to be able to go and live three hours in a universe that you spent, I mean, could you, I mean, what was your favorite game when you were seven or eight? Like, what was the fucking game? You don't have to. It doesn't have to be a say. You don't have to fucking. You don't have Final to Fantasy was my favorite. Like that was the one that really got me into RPGs. And to be able to spend three hours, three or four hours, and in, in, in that world, mm-hmm. and not know that you're not really. I mean, would you? I mean, would you pay? <laughs> How much would you pay? Right. Oh so, god. Like, but that's the thing, you know. It's it's what it. it they wanted it to be a real fully fantasy movie. Um, they wanted the full story from Dragon Quest V, you know, like, and characters that were cut out for time and relationships and stuff that were, you know, simplified. So, like, that's the thing. And I just, I go, well, you can't fucking tell me Sonic the Hedgehog is great and this isn't in that context because 
there is nothing in Sonic the Hedgehog that's anything like the games in terms of the story. They're there in a translated attempt, right? Which is fine. It worked for the movie. But it's show me the game where, you know, Robotnik was a human on Earth. You know what I mean? Working for the mm-hmm. government, tracking down aliens and shit, and fucking they find Sonic. Like, that doesn't, you know what I mean? That's not how it works at all. Or, I don't know. Drinking a macchiato or whatever. Hey, man, I want the Sonic game where he gets into a bar fight. That's why, <laughs> I mean, I kind of have it with those mods for, for Street to Rays where you can play yeah, Sonic yeah. and shit. So, but that's the overall thing. And, and they just can't get past that they made the you, the gamer, the protagonist. I just, okay. I don't know, man. I don't know why, you know? Well, whatever they can, they can be mad. They're nothing that we say is going to convince them uh, here on this show. But um, let's just let's talk a little bit about more, get more than story. So, like, um, it it opens up. um, Luca and his father decide to go to like I guess the the nearby kingdom where we meet Prince Harry, and Luca is supposed to be like Harry's. uh, I guess like. I don't know, like not, I guess like a not really a servant, but he's supposed to like be his like friend, I guess. Like I don't know what's going on with that, but yeah, the um, relationship would be yeah, I mean sort of similar to like an officer and a Batman, you know, in yeah. the British military where you have like, you know, royalty and then like the commoners, like sort of like a friend, sort of like a servant, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. yeah, but what's weird is because they have they also have like kind of like a servant at their house, like uh, like uh, Luca no, and his dumb, father, that dumb friend. You know, <laughs> yeah. you always got that lower tier friend that you you know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's what it is. Um, I had one. His name was Paul. He was my uh, like you know like you took care of him, you fed him, but he's like know. Samwise, like just very loyal. Yeah, and... you're like do the fucking dishes. You know what I mean? So they get, <laughs> so they get to the um the kingdom and Harry's just like a kind of a little asshole. Uh, he's a brat. And out of nowhere, these like giant, like Griffin looking things just swoop down. They grab him and they fly away with Harry. So Prince Harry is fucking abducted like three minutes into the movie. Uh, and so Luca runs and gets his father and they have to set out, uh, to rescue, uh, uh, Prince Harry. And when they finally get to the location where Harry's being, uh, you know, uh, imprisoned, he finds that uh, there is, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bishop Laja is the one that's actually gotten him. And he's this maniacal looking wizard who's trying to bring back this like ancient evil and unlock it so they can kind of control the, I guess, destroy the world. Is that is that pretty much the gist of it? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, well, yeah. it was destroy the world, but make it so monsters, you know, they, they control the world, right? So monsters. Are yeah. And, uh, and so he is about to destroy uh, uh, Laja, but then Laja, like, takes Luca and is going to kill him. But he, uh, what's his name? Oh, God, I'm trying to get the names right here. Fucking Pancras, Luca's father, basically has to, like, let them kill him. Or else uh, uh, they're going to kill Luca. So basically, it's really jacked up because Luca's sitting there watching, and they just kill his dad like right in front of him. Like they they stab him, they punch him, they beat him up, and then fucking uh, Laja like shoots a fireball at him and burns him to death. And like the the scream 
that comes out of him when he does that, I'm like, holy crap, like that sounds horrific. Like, so this it, is where the internet throws up their other fucking gripe, is that in the game, and this I do remember, the death of Pancras is a big fucking deal in the game. You don't uh-huh. see it coming, nor do you expect the characters to age 10 fucking years in between that and next. <laughs> like, like, it's a whole shift in the game. Yeah. In a similar way in Final Fantasy VII, the death of Aerith, <clears throat> Ares, whatever you want to call her. But, um, so some people have said that this didn't have the same emotional weight in the film that it had in the game to which I'm like, yeah, but you spent like fucking 20 hours, 20, 30 hours with these characters. Like, I don't know how you can, you know, it, it happens seven minutes into the movie. I think the acting so. is incredibly well done. Like you said, the shrieks from that kid is like, show me a Pixar film where they normally when some dark shit happens in a Pixar film, it's like, like an up when the, when his wife dies, it's silent. Like it's totally mm-hmm. like, no sound whatsoever just maybe some music and you know you know uh, somber imagery that kid's shrieking like like what a kid would do if he lost his father in front of the very eyes so and keep in mind like this is his only parent he's really ever known because his um mother you know was um like abducted when he was born basically or he thought she died Uh, um and so he's basically from what he thinks he's kind of like left alone like parentless um and uh and so he's super upset uh but anyway they uh Lodja just basically throws him and prince harry into kind of like a dungeon or they have to like work the mines i guess like they're having yeah. to build this kingdom for them and uh and they come up with an idea to break out they basically because what ends up happening is um anyone who dies uh working you know in the mines they put them in this barrel and just throw them out into the river and so they're like all right oh, we're but gonna this, this sequence was laugh out loud funny dude so like <laughs> to get in the they, they had to sneak out and what they do is they realize that the monster shit right and so yep. they and and what happens is they shit they poop and and when the miners uh, die, they shove them in barrels and kick them off into the water. Because they basically work everyone to death. So they pretend to be dead, but in order to sell it, they cover themselves in shit. <laughs> and shove themselves into a barrel. And there's a sequence where the monsters, like anything else, they, it's funny because the way they do the barrel animations, fucking funny as shit, dude. It's hilarious. And so they crack open the barrel, and then when they pretend to be dead, like that's some that's some good animation right there. Like it's yeah, it's funny. They basically like realize like something's up, uh, and they crack open the barrel, and both of uh, him and Harry just like fall out, and their eyes are all bugged out. They're basically trying to look dead, and they're like, "Oh my god, these two stink! They must have been in here for weeks. Like, throw them in the river." The design and the animation of these monsters is so good, man. I mean, show me a, a, a another CGI movie looking like this. You know, like, like just imagine if you're if you're if you're Dragon Quest. I don't hate her. You don't hate you. Just imagine if this were Wind Waker. You know, with those like, uh, you know, when you're always sneaking around those giant mm. fucking uh, what are those called? The the pig dudes with the armor. Um, yeah. uh, I yeah, I know what you're talking same about. similar setup, you know. But yeah, the, the so they shove them in the water. And I think this is the first time you see the blue slime. I haven't been able to go back. I think this is the first time you see the blue slime. I know that at some point, I don't know. I, I, I know the slime is there. I couldn't remember if he meets him earlier because he does. He, he names him Gutrude. Yeah, um, it's, it's a classic. Um, 
Gutrude was also, I think, in Dragon Quest Heroes, if you've ever played that. So, which, um, that's I have not played Heroes, no. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, I keep forgetting. I've, so I've watched it two or three times now, and I keep forgetting to do, I need to do a pass where I track Gutrude around. You know? <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. Um, and they end up, so they, yeah, so they end up getting away uh, through, like, this just crazy series of events. And, um, this old man helps them escape because they fall into like his, like a big, uh, hay trailer and he gets them out. And, um, what does he tell them? Like when he, he goes, you know, the, he brings them to his house. Right. And he's kind of explaining like what's been happening into with the world. Yeah. It's exposition time. You know, he tells Mm -hmm. them that there's a hero and he's been looking for the hero and he needs, you know, tell me your story so I can, you know, figure out. You know, it's just like this is just... kind of when they understand like there's this whole like I guess like a a legend or a prophecy where the the hero is going to come and he's the one that can stop Laja, um, but he needs his sword. I, I don't care about like I don't care about prophecies. You know the the prequels really help you know solidify that idea to me. Like I don't care about prophecies too mm-hmm. much. So um, this is the part where I'm like, eh, you know, now the the. So uh in the in the game this doctor's far more eccentric. Um here he's played more straight. I I think that right here uh they played him more like Hayao Miyazaki. I don't know if you've spent okay. a lot of time watching any of the Miyazaki documentaries, which should they no, all never be recorded have. by one dude. So they've released like two or three different um versions of it, but he's very Miyazaki to me. Like I'm like, this is great. And, and if you know the animators, it couldn't be any coincidence. He doesn't have that sort of tone to this. Um, but yeah, they explain that the, there's a light and there's this dark evil and there's a sword and the sword will only the, the, the hero can use the sword. And and so, um, yeah, that and he had, decides to help them along their way because Harry's got to get back to his kingdom to help fight. Right. On yeah. Evil. It- they take him, they they finally get Harry back to his kingdom, uh, and he, he finally gets back home, and that's when uh, Luca is like, hey, uh, I can't hang out anymore, I need to go, um, you know, try to find uh, my mom, and this whole sword, this prophecy thing, we're gonna try to get going on that, and so they basically um, decide that they're gonna go their separate ways, but... You know, Harry up to this point has been kind of this like spoiled asshole. You know, like you just really haven't uh, liked his character a whole lot. But then there's this kind of really touching moment where he's like, "Hey, you know, I just wanted to let you know that you're. If it wasn't for your father, I would have died. And so, if you ever need anything from me, I'll be there and I'll come to help you. Like no matter what, it's that that one moment where the friends like, I'll be there for you, buddy, whenever you need me." And yeah. I thought that was kind of neat. It just kind of re- redeemed his character a little bit in my eyes. Like when I was oh. watching it, I was like, Oh, he's not a total asshole. Here's the thing though. Right. So I, I watch it. I, I only watch anime um, in, with subtitles. I prefer the Japanese voice acting. I, I know you, uh, you're a bit of a traitor in this respect. Yeah. So. Come at me, man. <laughs> <laughs> and aside from that horrific mustache, um, you know, Oh, you love it. <laughs> You're one of the only guys that know. It's because you have a good smile. You can pull that off, buddy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, you, thank you. Yeah, there's a character in Breaking Better Call Saul called Lalo, 
who is this Lalo Salamanca who has a similar mustache and I'm like you you and him could easily be brothers this is crazy that's funny so, I, I don't watch it so but i have to i have to google them later yeah you will like it so at, what, what i'm trying to get at is so my wife speaks a bit of japanese and um whenever we're watching anime she likes to tell me you know like okay i get that the subtitles are there they're explaining but she goes there's a lot of there's a lot of subtleties that 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 is coming across in terms of inflection and tone that is mm. culturally related to to Japanese culture that y- you're missing on, like in terms right. of the context. So Harry and his relationship, it's much more of that like deferential thing where where Luke is playing the deferential role and and mm-hmm. Harry's like the the firebrand, but there is like these subtle things where they're they're recognizing each other's roles. You know what I mean? And it's not a definition of their friendship. Like it's a right. status issue, so that can come across to a Westerner as fucking asshole. Like, like mm-hmm. <laughs> I totally get well because every time he's like, "Call me Prince Harry," and he, but Lucas is like, "Whatever," he just keeps calling him Harry. Yeah, that, so. It's more about maintaining the status, you know. What right. I mean? You have to remember the status, but it's not a definition of their friendship. But there's a basketball. I, I can't remember the name of, it, but we're watching. There's a basketball anime that's really good, and in the first couple episodes, there's this relationship between the upstart player and this this other character who's supposed to be like one of the best players in Japan, but he's totally horrible at basketball. But what he can do is he can pass. So they call him the shadow. And because he's able to make everything else happen, you know, he, he intentionally, you know, plays a deferential role to anyone who has status, you know, like, like clearly status level skills, but everyone knows he's the one that actually is making it all possible. You know what I mean? That doesn't come across in the subtitles very very well like my wife goes, here's what's going on so there's a lot going on here too that we're not getting yeah and so um so he, like yeah like i said they go their separate ways uh luca travels back to his home uh where he grew up um at his father's house um and he he finds it like basically completely abandoned it's kind of in uh you know it's kind of in disarray like you could tell like time has passed here um and he somehow uh, trips and grabs this like rope, which activates this like uh, secret lever, and the the uh, the fire uh, pit or whatever the uh, or the um, god damn it, why can't I think of that word? The hearth, the fireplace. Or... Yeah, the hearth um, opens up, and he's like, "Holy shit!" Like, there's a secret passage down here. He he goes down there, and he discovers like his father had this like secret room where he yeah. was like writing this uh, like journal, right? It's where Luca finds out that his father's Batman. Like it's basically, that... <laughs> yeah. You know, it's actually the same scene from Batman Forever where Robin stumbles into. Remember, he does that whole little move mm-hmm. and he rolls in, and oh my god, it's the Peggy! Like, <laughs> yeah, he finds his his dad's diary, and this is kind of where he learns more about um, like the prophecy that basically um, Laja needs uh, this Zenithian spell. That's going to open up the gates to uh, Nadiria, and so I guess the, the the Zenithians are these like really are this like race of people that aren't. There's not very many of them around anymore. And they're um, known by like their color of their eyes. I mean, yes, like, yeah. Yeah, they have this kind of like weird yellowish, goldish <laughs> eye color. This is the Yuji Hora thing where he like throws in the definition of like a chosen race kind of thing. You know, mm. Dragon Quest Nine has it in that you play an angel. Who has to live among as people? 
So there's mm-hmm. this, and there was a whole like Zenithian trilogy with this. There's a whole like it goes across a few different games with the Zenithian thing. So if you're if you really want to, if you're wondering, is there any like point to this? Yeah, there actually was a whole storyline for this. You know, one across yeah. multiple Dragon Quest games. I'm not, I'm not the best arbit arbitrator arbiter. I don't know. I'm at the arbiter. Best, what's the word I'm thinking of? No, I'm at the best um, gatekeeper for Dragon Quest lore. You know what I mean? Um, right. So like, and plus, try to remember like they re-released Dragon Quest four, five, and six in a span of like a year or two on the DS. Like, you couldn't play all those games unless that's all you were doing. You know what I mean? Like all the way through. It's like, like the Yakuza series for like Square Enix. Yeah, right now they're releasing a Yakuza game every fucking nine months. Like it's mm-hmm. just, it's nuts. So, but yeah, the Zenithians are basically like a chosen race, and they you could tell by the color of their eyes, kind of thing. And this is where he finds out that's why uh, Laja has taken his mother uh, Maida uh, because she's Zenithian, and so uh, which means that he's. This is where he realizes that she's still alive and uh that if he can find this sword uh he can seal the gates like to the dark world like once and for all and he could save his mother and so this kind of um sets him on this quest which also puts the first uh like hint in his mind that he could be the hero of heaven, like the the chosen one. The soldier of God. Could... <laughs> exactly. Yep. If you wield the sword. Yeah. The soldier of God, and uh, and so that kind of starts him on this this new quest, right? And uh, he goes on from there. And well, he meets, he gets of- he gets you know this is whole sequence where he gets to re rekindle his uh, relationship with Alfred. That's what I'm gonna call him. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Alfred, why not? Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, this this the state of the house is what it's in because in the video game they wanted to portray the passage of time, right? In yeah. reality, that I think I think Alfred here, whatever his name is, would would have kept that place uh, in tip top shape. I think, right? Like, yeah. So he's um, maybe he's just a really shitty like uh, housekeeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah, no one's looking. I was there. gonna get to it. I didn't expect you to come back for another year. But like, I was about to start cleaning it up. But like, like, loot. If you're worried about looters, why would you make the house look like it's been abandoned? You know what I mean? Why would you allow it yeah. to look, allow it to look like it was abandoned? So there's that. And then um, it's this sets up this like really cool montage that I I really liked. Where it's so good. Uh, yeah, so good. it's it's basically Luca and Alfie. They go on these adventures, like getting like uh, like loot. They're they're killing all sorts of different creatures. Probably but, my favorite one when it shows them fighting the um um the metal slimes. I was about and to say, the metal slime is hilarious, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's hitting them with a sword and it's just like ringing and then this like giant blue slime like I, I you probably know the his king name. Slime, like, yeah. The king slime. King slime and uh King Slime has played a big deal in Rocket Slime if you ever played Dragon Quest Rocket Slime, which which by the way, if you love games like Mario Superstar Saga, if you've mm-hmm. ever played Dragon Quest Rocket Slime, right up the same fucking alley. 
Like I bought that uh, game for Caitlin for her birthday, and she loved it. Like she played the hell out of that. I never me, played it. But... Me and all the teenage girls love it, bro. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this you is, guys have so much in common. With this them. is what I, you know I do, man. This is why me, my my niece, and all of her friends really get along because I love Zim and Rocket Slime, and they're like, "Akim, how old are you?" You know, and you know, like I'm like, I just fucking love stupid slime creatures and monsters and shit, man. Like I fucking love it. The second time I watched this, I realized that there are hints of what the the um i guess the the big reveal later in the game or later in the movie where it's it's just basically a a vr game because like when he kills these monsters they kind of break up in these like pixelated bits the pixels yeah so they turn to pixels yeah i mean they it's not like they die and there's blood and stuff they they burst into pixels so um it's it's kind of telling you right there like this isn't real you know what I mean? Well, it tells you in the first sequence when it literally starts off with pixels, bro. Like, yeah, like <laughs> you could at this point consider that to be a style. You know, it's the style, but no, it's telling you. It's just not. It's not. That's it what in I your when face. I first was watching it. I I figured like this is their way of getting around like the violence and the blood and stuff, which it might still be in a way. But his it's... father, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, right. <laughs> And then after that, we, we, um, so it's him and, uh, uh, what's his name? Gutrid. They're traveling around now and Gutrid. they meet Percy again, his, his giant fucking saber cat, uh, which he doesn't realize it at first. They think they're about to get eaten. And this is a really funny moment where he turns around and they just start running away. And yeah, there's um, a lot of really great running animations. Like there's <laughs> one where like these the the golems are chasing them across the desert. Oh yeah, because it pulls back really far, and you just kind of see them like running, you know, to the left of the screen. It was really good. I, I if, um, if they allowed so on Twitter, the they, you can do like this this image on your Twitter page. You can put up like a key image, right? Um, I wish they would allow you to do animated gifs as images, because I would just have that. Like <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, Percy joins up to the group. They they find out that it's it's his his pet saber cat that he had uh, from when he was a kid. And so now he's got two companions with him. So now this is starting to feel like your stereotypical, you know, like uh, RPG, JRPG from when, you know, you're a kid and you're playing. It's like you're slowly amassing this team of companions to help you on your adventure. And they come up to this... Uh, this uh kingdom then there's like a wanted poster uh on this like uh next to this pub or something and it's basically saying there's this uh this person named bjorn that is wrecking the whole village and you know you see like in the background there's like smoke and like everything's like getting you know destroyed and so basically the king of this like area has said that whoever can defeat bjorn can have his daughter's hand in marriage and uh and i thought this was kind of an interesting moment in the movie the uh the design of the castle and the proportions and the shapes are really great yeah it's it's um Very stylized you know what i mean and the size of bjorn compared to everything else is it's just fuck it's just wonderful you know you don't you, you don't see characters that heavy in in disney or pixar films right like you don't everyone's sort of of moderate weight even like Mr. Incredible is supposed to be fat is not overweight. You know what I mean? He's like one of the mm-hmm. bulky bouncer types. This, this the father clearly is built like a king has been sitting on his ass for a hundred years. Like yep. <laughs> <laughs> still shoving himself into armor, you know? 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. <clears throat> and we find out his daughter Nira, uh, who she is the one who's basically going to have to get married off. Um, she's not so happy about the idea that whoever defeats Bjorn uh, is going to she's going to have to marry. And so he basically tells her, "Hey, the, there's this new suitor coming. I want you to come meet him." And she's all pissed off. Um, but as Luca is uh, walking up to, I guess like her. Uh, chambers or her, her, you know, where she stays. She comes out of uh, her room and they meet and they realize that I guess they've known each other. And I, this, I thought at first I might have missed something, but no, this should have. This is one of the things that they kind of skimmed over in the in, in its kid sequences, like him, mm-hmm. and Bianca, and, and the other character, and, and her Nera. They, they, yeah, they, they all would have. Yeah, they, they, they were. It was a whole whole other thing. So. Yeah, and so it doesn't really... It, you find out that they knew each other growing up, and um, I guess they had some sort of crush on each other, but it was never explained up to this point. So this is like the first time you as the viewer are introduced to Nira, and you, you find out that like they, they did know each other. Um, the same thing happens again later, um, a bit later, where uh, we're introduced to Bianca, which you just um, said it's kind of the same thing. Like, he... Uh, Luca knew Bianca when they were kids as well, and it seems like they had a much different relationship. Whereas him and Nira were kind of, um, kind of had crushes on each other growing up. Like him and Bianca would go on adventures and like get into trouble and that sort of thing. She almost sounded kind of like a tomboy, where they would, uh, you know, just go and, and have a lot of fun, and they were kind of like best friends. Um, but we didn't see that at all. So I'm wondering if maybe that was just something that may have been cut just to be able to fit like the time frame in for that theatrical release. Um, and maybe it just kind of, uh, got, had to get chopped. Um, I don't know. I just think that for whatever reason, I mean, I could see. So when you write in scripts and stuff, you do this thing called whiteboarding where you put every idea up. Mm -hmm. And I imagine they were trying to condense the story down. I think that not putting her in the front of the film (laughs) was because they didn't want to explain where she went her or Bianca, you know, they didn't want to explain where they went. So they just assumed that it was happening off camera, given that they're jumping across, you know, like it was there. They don't show up because they're going to have to explain it again later on. And at Mm -hmm. that point in the film, the really, the relationship they're trying to show is him and Harry, you know? So I, I get why they did it. Could have easily have been two minutes that could have been moved this way or that way, you know, structurally to, to work that out. Probably, you know, probably could have been could have been there, but that's the decision they made. So. Yeah. And so um, the king, uh, they they him and Luca have a conversation and Luca is basically telling him, like, explains what he's trying to do. He's trying to find the sword. And the king's like, oh, I have it. I, you know, since you're the, you know, the Zenithian hero, I'm going to give it to you. And he takes him up to this room, opens it up. And sure enough, it's gone. In addition to the whole room, it looks like Bjorn has basically come and um, bust open the area it was at. And he has stolen the sword. And so now, not only does he have to go and defeat Bjorn to get the sword, he's also trying to defeat Bjorn to get near his hand in marriage, uh, which is uh this whole thing so him and uh his companions set out and go and attack bjorn and they get their asses kicked (laughs) this is another funny scene uh sketch where uh we're we're sitting in a pub and they burst open the door and they're just like charred you can like see that they've been burned so i thought that they maybe like bjorn is like a big dragon or something but uh the just the reactions on their faces 
And what was funny too is that like he's like, does anyone have a, me- a medical herb? And they have to like someone has to come over and give it to him, and he actually heals up too, just like he would in a video game. Yeah, Gutrud has got the funniest expression too. Just like fried and <laughs> saber cat is just like you know what I mean. The saber cat is just like, uh, like mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's hilarious. This is where we're introduced to Bianca, who is the one who gives them uh, the medicinal herb, and uh, she, you know, they they go through and you know kind of uh, catch up because, like we said, they were um, childhood friends, and she said basically that she's going to help them defeat Bjorn. So he can uh, propose to Nera and get this sword. Um, and so then they go back uh, to attack Bjorn. And his character design is amazing. Kind of like what you're saying. He's big, but he's, it's weird. Like he looks like, um, I don't, he has, I don't even know how to explain it because he's got like plants growing out of him. He's this like giant kind of creature. I, I've never really seen anything quite like it. He's got like two horns. He's got three eyes. Like it's it's such a Dragon Quest character design. You know what I mean? It like fits the, so the well. The inventiveness this... of Dragon Quest creatures mm-hmm. are the no other game does it. You know, I mean, you fight giant pickles and shit. Like, it's, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I I I love uh, I love Bjorn, man. He's he's awesome. Um, and they get into this big battle. Uh, they're fighting. It's all going crazy. Um, and uh, one of them picks up the, um, the, the, the sword that they're trying to get. Um, and right before Bjorn's going to, I guess, uh, smash Luca, um, Bianca throws him the sword. And there's this like big epic moment where he's going to unleash the, sh- the sword and strike down Bjorn. And he can't get, he can't unsheath it. Um, and so it's this perfect. is kind of when we find out that maybe he's not who we think he is in terms of he might not be the uh, the chosen one. It'd be like, you know, Captain America finding out he's not Captain America during the fight mm-hmm. with Thanos, right? Like, uh, yeah. oh, shit. Run! Yeah. Like-, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, man. Yeah. I, I can't wield my hammer or, you know, one of those type of things. Um, uh, but what it's was like, impressive, up. though, is he did parry... Uh, Bjorn's attack just with a regular sword. I was like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, he's clearly that... his father's son. And he has the the swordsmanship that his father has, but mm-hmm. but like this is where I do appreciate that. Okay, it's a chosen one storyline with a twist. This is my one gripe, um, other than the lack of a symphonic score on the PS4 edition for Dragon Quest Eleven, is the hero is the hero all the way through. I'm like. No twist, no play on this, no he is but mm-hmm. a catch. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't have any of that. So that's where I'm like, ah, I hate the fucking chosen one shit. You know, like it's <laughs> not uh between look, man, the prequels and the matrix sequels, you know. <laughs> the idea of a chosen one fucking idea mm-hmm. forever. But this is a great when you find out you're not the fucking hero, like this is a fantastic way to do it. Yeah. yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. They basically um it's it's interesting because like he's not the hero or the cho- he's not the chosen but he's still the hero. You know, like he's right. yeah, he's, he's still the, the hero. The you don't get to the 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 chosen thing without this character. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And he ends up still, you know, like um doing like just as much if not more than like, you know, the 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 prophesied chosen one. Um, but they end up defeating uh, Bjorn, 
through, you know, the series of, you know, um, craziness that happens. They trick him and uh, Luca ends up uh, casting a spell that basically uh, rips up his wings and uh, he's about to kill him. He has a, a sword like into his eye that he's about to stab. And Bjorn gives up and says that he's going to, you know, serve Luca. And so he, you know, Bjorn's finally defeated and he has to stop attacking this little town. And he goes into back to the village like a hero. A little bit uh, of gaming knowledge here, as I remember it, right? And I'm not the most ex- expert knowledge, but as I remember it, this is the first time in a video game where you could capture monsters and then use them. Dragon Quest invented the Pokemon thing. Okay, even the creator of Pokemon even said they were he was inspired by Dragon Quest, the idea of capturing monsters and adding them to your party. Oh, interesting. I didn't I didn't know this, um Yeah, it came from this sort of yeah, this this thing, this moment or cool. it may have been before, but this is one of the examples. Yeah, Dragon Quest created that mechanic as well. There's a lot of things Dragon Quest did that everyone doesn't really know. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it came mm-hmm. from that. Yeah, and it came from oh, multiple parties. Yeah, multiple fighting multiple enemies. Yeah, Dragon Quest. You know, so like, <laughs> yeah. And so uh, he comes back and now it's the moment where he's going to try to uh, propose to Nera. Um, he's really nervous, um, but his buddy Bianca, like basically like gives him some uh, good advice and, and kind of courage to, to go up and, and finally pop the question. He does it. They're super awkward. Um, and uh, she accepts. She says yes that she's going to marry him, and so everyone's like super, super happy about it, um, except for Bianca, who kind of turns around and you can tell she's sad, and that kind of plants the seed that like, oh, there's something else going on here, um, and you kind of you kind of get a sense of where it's going like pretty early on. But um, I like I like the twist what they did here, um, but. So later on that night, uh, Luca goes back to the um, the pub where I guess he's staying the inn, and uh, Bianca's there, and she's wasted. <laughs> she's like really drunk, yeah, uh, which drunk. is a really funny scene. She's super drunk. <laughs> yeah, like and you. she's like calling all sorts of attention. Uh, she says they're celebrating uh, his engagement, and he's just like trying to get the hell out of there. He goes upstairs. Um, which he goes into his room and he's met by this uh, little witch, right? Yeah, and look, this is one of those things where, like, it's played to where you're like, is this chick trying to fucking, what, she got, like, a hidden agenda? But mm-hmm. you, you later on, you'll figure out what it's all about. But you know. Yeah, I really, I really like the um, kind of what they do here. But she's basically saying that she knows he's apprehensive about, uh, you know, marrying this woman and she can give him like some sort of like uh, potion that uh, will tell him the truth. Like if this is like if he's hiding his true feelings or or what. And he doesn't want to do it, um, but I guess uh, he ends up ends up doing it anyway, right? I, I can't remember this part. Yeah, he does very, anyway. He goes back to his room. Yeah. You yeah. know, he tries to ignore it. You know, waits all night and goes, you know, fuck it. Who cares? You know. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a really weird scene, like when he finally goes to sleep, because, um, again, it's kind of um, it's kind of foreshadowing, I think, the uh, the end of the movie, because it's super weird. Like this guy, this kid, if if all he had was this like living in this fantasy world, like he's in this like VR. It lo- It looks like it's like 
a, a weird VR experience in his dream where he's like falling down this like blue uh like ocean or something and he he's seeing all just all this really trippy stuff he's saying that um he's wanting to choose nira um but his true feelings are revealed and he realizes that he's not really uh he's basically going into his subconscious right and and he realizes that he Nira is not the one that he truly loves, and he sees uh, Bianca's face, and he like wakes up screaming. These moments in films, trapper keeper moments. Like you ever mm-hmm. get those trapper keeper folders when you were a kid? And, oh yeah, I love. And they'd them. have this like a unicorn with the teardrop that becomes the puddle, and there's a knight in shining armor in the puddle that becomes the fucking right. <laughs> like you're like, oh, what the shit means, man? It's pretty fucking. <laughs> it's pretty. It's over Rob's pay grade. You it's know? super trippy. <laughs> yeah. Um. So this is when he realizes, like, oh, man, I've made a mistake. Like, what was I doing? Um, I can't go through with this wedding uh, and marriage because I'm actually in love with Bianca. So we've got this, like, crazy love triangle. Um, and he the next morning, he goes to um, the king and tells him, and he's, like, super pissed off about it. And he's like... He's like, what's Nira going to do? I can't believe you're doing this. You hate our family. And um, Luca's just like, I'm sorry, man. I, I'm really in love with this other chick, and I don't want to marry your daughter anymore. But I'm still going to go out on this quest and you know try to defeat him. So I guess well, the king the, finally gives him his blessing to leave. Yeah, he has to find the hero. Right, 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 right. Um, because that he also tells the king that he's not the hero. So he lets him keep um, the sword. Um, because he's going to give it to the hero. But he also tells him, <laughs> um, don't let everyone know that I'm okay with you leaving. Tell them, like, I'm I'm really mad at you. And, like, kind of like we're the ones that called off the wedding, I guess. That way they could kind of preserve their uh, status. honor. Yeah, yeah. status. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to Bianca, and she's like, WTF, why would you do that, you idiot? And um, it's when he... Reveals his true feelings in the tavern, which is funny because Bianca the night before was totally wasted. He wakes up in the morning and she's passed out still at the table. The next scene we see her in, she's back at the pub drinking again. Like She is a raging alcoholic. This, this see, now, now, this is where my wife can relate because my wife, you know, she grew up going to Indiana, going to Purdue. And uh, <laughs> she can have a little too much. <laughs> Give me a few of those Boilermakers. Yeah, yeah. She <laughs> Boilermakers is her fucking football team, dude. That's the Purdue football. Yeah. So, you know, and it's just like, so I'm looking at this and I'm looking at her. I'm like, uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Like fucking Rob, man. So, it's my so she's already drinking again. Um, and he basically tells her that he couldn't marry Nira because he's in love with someone else who's always been there for him and someone who he can tell uh, like his most deepest thoughts and feelings, which that kind of comes in later on in the movie. Um, and she accepts his, uh, his proposal. And this is like a quick turn of events, but here we are. They're now they're engaged and they're going to, to get married. And, at this point, he leaves the inn, and we see the old witch again. And 
what happens here, Rob? This is I thought this was a really uh, interesting. She part. she's got this good part where she wishes him well. She walks off, and there's this cool animation where she becomes uh, the princess. So we find out all along that this old witch was actually Nira because Nira um, has uh, magical powers, and so she has like a staff and everything. Um, and I was like, oh man, that was actually a really cool point. And then once I found that out, I had to go back and. Um, watch the earlier scene with her just to kind of hear the dialogue and stuff. And it was, it was pretty interesting. She basically knows that, um, and, or feels that Luca doesn't have the same feelings for her that she has for him. Um, and she's, I guess she's kind of happy and sad at the same time. You know, it's kind of a, a bittersweet moment for her. Right. And this would have come across if they'd all been together when they were younger. You know what I mean? Right. Like, cause that gets played out further i mean those scenes are there in the opening pixels by the way they're just not elaborated on right right so, but they yeah they i'm gonna have to go back and... they do recognize that they were they were there you know that there was these relationships but it's just not it's two hour 20 minute whatever two hour runtime here you know what i mean so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so they get they get married and they go back to um to alfie's place uh basically back home and I guess they're here for a while um, because uh, they basically live here and find out that she has become pregnant at some point. So I imagine like there is some time that's that's passed like through this whole um, you know series of events here, right? Yeah, and and look, I'm I'm fuzzy on this part. I don't remember the game as well as some people. My wife remembers a bit more of this part, but as I as I vaguely remember i believe they had twins they didn't just have in a son. the game in the game okay yeah here they just have a son um named alice a-l-u-s which was i was i was a little weirded out at first because i heard him referring to him as alice i'm like what? what what the heck so um but the cool thing about um alice is uh he has his father's eyes uh, like the Z- zenithian eyes and um and then he's born, and the um, the the magical sword on the wall starts kind of like rattling around. And uh, Luca takes this to mean that the sword is telling him that he needs to hurry up and find the hero um, because like something's about to happen. So he realizes he can't stay at home any longer. He has to set out on his quest again to try to find the hero. So um, basically, him and his companions set off on a. Uh, a you know on their quest but they get attacked by uh lodge's goons and uh all this crazy shit starts happening here um basically uh they're trying to run away with uh um his wife and kid trying to get them to safety bianca has uh alice uh um what's his name arthur or alfred's there with them and they capture they basically capture uh alice and take her away and uh they turn uh luca into stone which is a pretty crazy scene because i was not expecting that whatsoever does that happen in the game too uh yeah as i remember but i'm gonna be honest man like i'm i'm fuzzy at this part i I did Mm. not finish the game you know Mm. so um time permitting It, it, it probably doesn't help that i've I've played through Dragon Quest eight five times, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, you remember I, mean? all that. I could tell you all about the fucking story of Dragon Quest eight. Dragon Quest five, not so much um, toward the end here, but 
Um, I'm pretty certain this does happen. And this sort of mirrors the events of the beginning of the game where, you know, his father dies and yeah, Luca goes into slavery. You know what I mean? So yeah. there's some mirroring where you take over the kid and then you become the role of the kid who's leveling up to then one day unlock your father and then continue the quest. You know, it might've been the two kids as I remember it. Yeah. Lodja tells him um, that he's basically, he needs someone to open up the gate because his mother um, isn't waking up. So he needs another Zenithian uh, to open uh, the gate for him. And Luca's confused because he's like, okay, why, what do you want with um, Bianca? And he's like, oh, he doesn't know, does he? Which we find out, like, in the next scene that Bianca is actually Zenithian as well. Like, she was adopted when she was younger. And somehow, like, there is her parents cast a spell on her to change her, the color of her eyes uh, to, like, green or whatever. And so we find out that she's actually Zenithian as well. So, like, who in the show isn't Zenithian at this point? Seems like everybody is. But, um, but yeah, so uh, before he leaves, he turns Luca to stone. And uh, super sad. Um, I, I thought I was like, "Oh God!" Like now, what's going to happen in the story? Uh, but then they go back to Lodge's lair, right? Uh, they go back to Lodge's lair, See, and I that's remember, when he's with. I remember this going by pretty quick. Oh yeah, because well, it's the whole sequence with Lodge and, and Bianca, where he's trying to yeah. get her to crack open the seal. You find out that his mother really isn't dead, but she's like just holding that barrier from being broken kind of thing, you know? Right. She's basically trying to like use all of like whatever power she has left to try to keep him from, from breaking it open. Yeah. And so he's unable to get Bianca to budge and then basically turns her to stone as well. Yeah, so he realized like he can't. So he's like, "God damn it, man! Like you fucking Zenithians, I can't do anything with you." So he decides he's like, "All right, fuck it. I'm just gonna turn you to stone too." And I thought like at one moment he was gonna drop her, and you know, as he turns her to stone, I thought he was gonna drop her, and she was just gonna crumble. And I'm like, "Oh my god, no!" But thankfully, she doesn't. She's just a stone statue at this point that falls over. But I was like, "Oh god, what would have happened if?" uh she would have broken in pieces and she would have been dead forever. Um, <laughs> the next scene I thought was awesome. It's, hold on. I, it's like, it's like that scene from T2, you know, only uh-huh. like when he met, when he, when he thaws out, it's just body parts, you know, like, right. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, no. Like this didn't go as we thought it would. Oh, it's, it's a spleen. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to pick it all up. Yeah. Um, yeah. This next scene is, I thought, was like really, really cool. It shows um, Alfie um, bringing uh, Luca as an infant still uh, to visit his father, who's just basically a statue out in the middle of a river, a frozen river. Um, and so it's like basically trying him to to kind of come visit. But then we see like time is passing, like years and years. Where so this would uh, be, this would be the third act of the game. So the, the structure of Dragon Quest Five, this I do remember is you start out playing the father, right, and the kid, and then you become the kid who becomes a hero, and then you become the ki- his kids, right? So there's this legacy of time across the family through three generations. And it's going to require basically all those generations to de- defeat the boss. Yeah, this is this is would be an incredibly deep story for an 8-bit RPG it back is, in the day. It is, uh, and this is why yeah. it took forever. This is why they couldn't ever bring it to the States on the Famicom, Super Famicom back in the day because of the size of the script. 
Because I was going to say, like, just the localization alone probably would have been a nightmare. Yeah, so, like, I it is on phone, on cell phones as well. You can get Dragon Quest V, um, and it's the DS port. Um, yeah, I do recommend, you know, the game a lot if you if you want to get the full i'm gonna want to go play it after this because um i i find the story really really awesome but um i love the scene okay because uh like as all these years are passing you you it splits back and forth between a seeing laja um you know as the seasons continue and he's starting to grow like moss and stuff on him um it's it's getting you know uh years and years go by but you also see that um I, i think i said laja it's luca is the one growing like all the the moss and stuff on his statue? Yeah, you're talking about the 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 bad. The yes, Lodge is the, the bad guy. Yeah, that's why I was like Lodge layer. We're talking about Lodge my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's amassing his army. Like his army's growing stronger and stronger. Is is what you see? Like he's getting like more and more of his minions, and so you know that like this threat is growing like even uh, even stronger. Um, but this is when we are now introduced to. Um, to Alice, who is not such an infant anymore. He looks like he's about like maybe about like 10 or 11 years old or so. And he's basically doing the same kind of crazy shit that um, his father did with Alfie uh, from back in the day. He's uh, going on adventures. They go and um, get this like, I guess, magic scepter. Uh, Finally, they find it that's in this like Cyclops uh, cave or lair. And uh, I thought this was just a really cool scene. But they basically need to get this scepter to reverse the spell uh, on uh, Luca, and they are able to do that and bring him back. Um, what I guess they somehow teleport, which is kind of crazy, um, from that uh, the, well, the Cyclops player in the game you can teleport around. So they're just showing you that element of the game where you can use those like warp the ability to warp. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so, but um, little do they know that the, the Cyclops actually warp there as well. So they bring <laughs> Luca back. Um, and so he's, uh, he's now human again. And he doesn't, he doesn't realize, he doesn't know who, you know, this, this person, Alice is his son. It takes him some moments. Um, and then he sees uh, Alice, like get into a fight with some uh, like flying birds. And he, I think at that point he realized he's like, oh, that swordsmanship. I recognize that. And then he's like, oh, you're my son. And this is like this kind of touching moment um, where, uh, you know, like father and son kind of meet for the first time. And uh, and I'm trying to think what happens. After. Oh, then the uh, the Cyclops show up. Right. And they're about to um, like clobber uh, Alice and Luca throws him like the the, ch- the hero sword. And he's like, oh, no, like you're not going to be able to use that. But then Luca or Alice like unsheaths it and it's this like awesome slow motion scene. I thought this was super badass. And then he just goes like he just goes nuts, like super Saiyan Zenithian god mode and destroys all these uh uh Cyclops. I thought this was a really cool this scene. Is, this is how I felt playing Dragon Quest Heroes. <laughs> because it's not turn based, you know what I mean? You could just right. like they 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 put these ogres and the cyclops. They're fucking huge in the game, and they're fully Toriyama up. And I'm just oh cool. I mean nothing. I mean if I could get this in VR, like Ninja Legends VR, but with slime and go if Dragon Quest man, like honestly man, you probably wouldn't hear from me again. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I uh. would be just in there 
fucking like this i i just i want to go to a vr world where i can fight giant stylized monsters like this like this is this 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 whole thing I, i'm gonna be honest man like i just sat there with the giant grin on my face the whole fucking time i'm like this what a what a fucking treat this is you know if, if you if you're just a fan of 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 animation and stylized stuff and just i don't know man dude this this whole sequence was so well done Mm-hmm. So well, I mean, it's as good as anything in you know. I mean, a lot of people give the Incredibles those beats for those action sequences in Incredibles a lot of love, and, and they're great. I think this is as good as anything that, that they've done. You know, yeah, more so maybe even than Incredibles two. You know, I think this is this is a really well done sequence. And uh, I have to admit, like this next part, I I was kind of confused by. So they have to go back and um find that uh one dude that helped him and harry i think the escape doctor. yeah the, the doctor the, dr the, Akin. the miyazaki uh right clone, yeah the doctor um i guess uh, why did they have to go meet him again i couldn't remember because he's the dragon and that's going to give them the ability to, in the game to get the ability to fly fly travel because you don't have the ability. so okay and they in order to get to the final layer way up there they need plus they need a dragon to fucking defeat the, the last dude you know so um but in the game it's just so you can get air travel basically okay and so they finally realize that he's like the this like uh dragon and but he's like i can't he's the zenith dragon this is um, a classic dragon quest um and they do it again in the, later in the movie I mean, they do it in the movie you know where he goes back to the the, the hut but there's in classic mm-hmm. dragon quest there's always the end game weapon is always available at the front of the game you just don't know it's there it's like locks there's always this point where you gotta go back to basically the beginning to get the thing that lets you finish the game so this is sort of like a that that element working out here as well if he had just told them that he was a dragon all along um man look it's jrpg you know what i mean like i know i know you want to talk about the real like logic of final fantasy 7 you know like (laughs) but basically he's saying he can't transform because he's lost his dragon orb um and so he's like you're gonna have to to go get it go find another one um and uh it's it's up this place called like up to 10 towers or something and He's has to go like meet some uh some like fairies or elves or something that this might uh this know where thing, it's at. This whole sequence is where I'll give you know like if if I could sit there with all the storyboards laid out, I would have been like, look, having Nira and Bianca and him together, you know, in the beginning of the the, the thing to get that dragon orb mm-hmm. would have if you'd just been able to have that and shorten this sequence down a, a lot, you know trade the time would have helped yeah. more of those relationships better you know what i mean but you look yeah because when- i just this whole part is just it seemed this this if there's one weak part in the movie i think it's like right here just Bro, because like, it seems hard to follow people assume when they make things that they even with the best intentions and they, they they do everything you can to get it right like that shit sometimes it just goes over the head like you you, you don't you know what i mean you don't have mm-hmm. You only have through the power of hindsight, like, oh shit, we could, but it just never came up. Was you know, like it never there's plenty of times, man, I've made things where people are like like why didn't he just uh do that thing right there? And I'm like, fucking totally makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? But because I didn't fucking think of it, you know, or even in this case, maybe they had a dozen 
I don't think they had a dozen people, but maybe they had a dozen people breaking the story. And it just, you know, when you flush it out, you're like, I guess, you know, I mean, this is where I don't think in Japan they do uh, testing with animatics. You know, I don't think they bring in like families to watch the film in animatic form. Because I almost feel like if they did, this is something that would have easily because this battle, the sequence of getting to the 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 layer of the orb thing, you know, like yeah. eats up a tremendous amount of time. You know, for very, and it's not totally necessary either. No, no, it isn't. Then that's the one thing I'm like, this is if I could change one thing, I would have taken the time from this and put it into setting up that love triangle better yeah. when they were kids. And the importance of those orb shards, which comes back when older Luca in the beginning, he meet, the young Luca meets a guy who wants to look at the fucking orb shit. And you wouldn't think that was a weird pedophile, dude. You would have. <laughs> you know, I was like, when I first watched it, I was like, Oh, oh don't talk oh, no, to the stranger, yeah, right? especially as a parent, right? You're like, no. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let but, me see your orb kid. Yeah. And I'm like, don't show your orb. <laughs> and the dad's stranger. like, Hey there, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, that is one of those things where you're like, I know they're not doing that, but it can come across a different way, you know. So, yeah, and so and he okay, so he finally oh, also, reaches um, the fairy queen. But right here, there is a nod again to the fact that this is a different version of Dragon Quest Five being played out, where he goes, "This time there'll be robots," and he goes, "This time, you know what I mean?" Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, you've done this a few times, you know what I mean? Like you're like, well, you yeah. know, it's there, you know, but. Yeah, it's not not a big deal. They could have called him Neo. Um, it would have been fine. Uh, but so you're right. So he finally gets past like the robot uh, sentries or whatever, and um, he meets the um, the the fairy princess, I guess, and she um, she tells him that she'll grant him a, a wish, but um, she can't just use her magic to defeat Laja and seal the thing. So he's going to have to do that himself, I guess. But so she gives him um, a fake dragon orb. And says that she's going to send them back in the past. So this is where we find out that the dude, the weird pedo guy that was uh, talking to Luca when he was a kid is actually adult Luca um, talking to him. And I thought this was just kind of a really it was it was a, a cool twist. Um, you know, yeah. it was something that you I could tell something was going on there when I watched it the first time, but then when I saw them going back and they told that, I thought that was kind of cool how, how they did that. The ability to time travel and to re-experience your past as as a fully grown what a character or whatever, like um is explored again in Dragon Quest Eleven. Mm-hmm. Like kind of a big part <laughs> of the- that, that game. I love the conversation that uh, the two Lucas have with one another because he's basically like when he's a little kid, he's not trusting like adult Luca at all because he's, you know, he probably got taught well. You know, his dad told him don't talk to strangers, but he's like, hey, I want to show you my my uh, my little like pet animal or whatever. And he's like, OK. And he shows him Gutrude and he's like, that's just a slime like <laughs> that sucks. He's like, I got a saber cat. And uh, he's like, oh, that's kind of cool. Um, but there's another part here that I thought was uh, a, a really cool line where he basically tells them, like, hey, um, if you ever decide you're going to get married, don't rush into it. You marry someone, um, only someone who you can tell, like, your your deepest, like, thoughts to. Which is interesting because that's, like what he says to himself like later on in the in in or earlier in the movie but which would have been later on in young luca's life so it's like it's weird there's this like 
like I don't I don't know if it's like some sort of paradox that like how did he tell himself that if he hadn't told him before or something? So there's this weird this weird loop uh, that happens right there. So I don't know what the hell's going on, but um, try to never makes, think about time travel. Yeah, I know, time. dude. <laughs> and so he he's he finally gets uh, Luca to show him the dragon orb because Luca has the real dragon orb, and he has the fake one. And he acts like he drops it, and he switches them and gives Luca um, the fake one. And uh, and that's the scene where his father calls him back uh, to the house because they're leaving. Uh, but there is this one touching scene where adult Luca is like staring off at his dad. And I was really hoping that um, he would go and like kind of approach him and just talk to him. But I, I know that would have would have ruined the scene, but it was just I was sad, man, because it's like he never really got to say goodbye to his father. And. It would have well, just been a kind of cool uh, moment. I watched my father pass away in the hospital. You know what I mean? Like uh, the events of starting my own father's passing happened so quickly. It's like you know, you watch it, you're just like, God damn it, they're gonna try and make mm-hmm. me cry. These fucking dicks, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I thought they they handled it well. Like it, it just it's one of those that like leaves you wanting, which is probably you know like you want to do in in a movie you don't want to give the audience everything that you know like it's something it it sets it up and it makes you feel something there which i i thought was i I thought they played it really well and the point of him going to the past was not so he could hang out with his dad it was exactly stop laja so that's Mm -hmm. the way to do it and this like sets up now the big final scene where um uh, Doctor Agen has now gone full on Zenith Dragon mode, and he's 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 basically a giant ass dragon, but he still has a beard, which is awesome. He still kind of looks like his human form in a way, um, which I've never seen a dragon uh, design with a, a white beard before, but it works, I guess. Classic, um, classic Toriyama. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and so they basically bust through all the defenses. Um, of uh, Lodge's uh, like fortress, they throw the magical scepter. It, it hits Bianca uh, almost in the face, and she now gets turned back into her human form. And she realizes uh, that uh, Alice is there with them, and she realizes that that's her son. And then it's also revealed that you know to Luca that she is a Zenithian herself, and so like he's kind of a. He's kind of a hard-headed kind of guy. Like he doesn't really. Uh, he's like that, that. You're just your typical RPG hero who like is kind of dense in a way. You know, he's like, oh, what happened to your eyes? Oh, it turns out you have Zenithian blood this whole time. That explains so much. It was kind of funny. Yeah, what's really funny is you can't see their eyes when they're pixels. Yeah. yeah. So it's like <laughs> you're always hearing about things. It's one of those things in classic gaming you do where. Um, you describe things you can't see, but that way you give the feeling that the game is showing you, you know what I mean? There's more there than they were capable of writing back in the day. I mean, if you could just see their eyes, it wouldn't be a big deal. But when you, you hear about something being described that you can't actually see, it adds more depth, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so, but when you can actually see their eyes, I don't know. It doesn't. So like, um, did you ever read the Nausicaa manga? No, never have. Yeah. I read it once a year. It's my Lord of the Rings. And, in the obviously the manga is black and white and he constantly Miyazaki constantly describes the color of the omu you know the, the how they're blue and then there's this gold oh, okay. glow and he's always describing colors 
to the point where when I look at it, I see the fucking colors. And it's perfectly in black and white. Like, it's it's crazy. But when you see the colors in the animation, it's not as... It's there, and you're like, oh, yeah, but it's not as big a di- difference when you can't see them, and they describe them. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, for sure. Um, and this next series of events, just, it like, all hell breaks loose at this point, because then they fly up uh, to basically... Uh, fight Laja in the last um, the last scene or you know one of the last scenes of the movie um, and somehow I guess Laja's a, a, about to somehow open the portal anyway like uh, and Luca's mom tells him just to leave and that she's not going to be able to stop him for very long but um, they come anyway and try to save his mother um but um, I think she ends up passing away here, doesn't she? Like she's like used all of her power to, you know, she's to try to stop Laja. Yeah, yeah. And so she just she passes away. Very very sad stuff. Um, and Laja has is now unleashing his full horde of monsters is, um, upon them. This is where it goes full Dragon Quest heroes. You know? You, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's an awesome scene because everyone is then using like full on powers. Like you have Alice using the hero sword, like throwing out all sorts of magic strikes. You got Luca using magic. Bianca's using magic. Um, even Gutrude is doing stuff here. Like they're all doing their stuff, right? It's yeah, they're awesome. All doing their moves and what they do. Yeah. It's, it's, this is like, this is just like, it's just, I don't just, I'm like, I never thought I'd see a giant Dragon Quest battle, like at the scale of, <laughs> yeah. of, of Helm's Deep. You know what I mean? Like, on, yeah, I mean, it's basically this right here. It's awesome. You got like him slicing off Golem's arms and stuff. You got, it's just like everything you want is is all here. Like all the the great uh, like monster designs, they're all here doing stuff and getting beat up. It's it's awesome, man. Um. He even goes like Super Saiyan. Alice goes Super Saiyan for a moment, like shocking everybody. And then when you think like all hope is lost, like um, Lodge is about to uh, win, there's this giant ship that shows up out of nowhere. And at this point, I'm like, oh, yeah. It's kind of like, and, you know, Return of the King when they show up with the yeah. undead. But like, if they just imagine they crashed it right into the fucking, like, they crash it right into the. To, into Gondor's castle. I want to say it's like a yeah, the Gondor's castle. Like, just, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's super, that would be hilarious. Cool. It's Prince Harry and like an army of soldiers, along with our buddy Bjorn, the flying goat dragon or whatever he is. Um, and it's awesome to see Bjorn uh, back again. Like, I, I love him. He's super awesome. And so now, kind of the um, it's it's basically that scene from Return of the King. Like, you know, like the 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 you know, the battle has now turned tides once again, and it's starting to look, you know, in our hero's favor, but um, then something crazy happens. Like, Laja somehow, like, merges with his mom, his mom's body, and then, like, what what is going on here? Because I had a hard time, like, really making sense of this part. I think in order to... He's dying, so he takes over the the life force, kind of. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's one of those things when during a, I, I don't remember the final boss battle, but I imagine now you got to, you know, like how do you if you're fighting a boss and you want to create 
more drama for fighting the boss, you make him like take over your loved one. So you're like, no, I can't fight. You know, like it's just one of those. Yeah. It's one of those gamey things that when you see it, you're like, I don't know if that makes as much sense. As <laughs> you know what I mean? But it makes it in the context of a video game. I also want to correct myself way back in the early part of the podcast. I had mentioned the description of Bjorn as being this like fat dude stuff. I was thinking her uh, nearest father, the king. Yes. So I, I just want to say, yeah. I'm not great with names. I, I try to put all the names up on the fucking computer when we're doing this, but to be honest, man, I just, when I get on a rant, I go about the visuals in my head. So when I first talked about when we got to the, the kingdom um, where Nier and her father's at, and Luca goes there to find out about uh, marrying the daughter, I was talking about the design of the king. You never see like a character yeah that heavy you know what i mean like i just thought i, I knew what you were I, I knew who you were talking about at that time because like, you don't know the names I'm <laughs> like i'm not a fucking film I, I, i'm an artist man i see pictures god damn it like that's <laughs> that's how i work um but yeah the right here is where harry reappears and then the monster beyond the one that you you know would have joined your team or been you know call callback monster it would have been cool like obviously it never happened but way back in the first dragon war you have to fight this there's this cave that links the two continents together. And in the cave is the first dragon you got to fight. And if, if I remember right, got to be like level 16 or 18 or 20 to defeat somewhere around there. And mm-hmm. I had done all the content way as quick as I could by like level seven. So I had to grind from level seven. Oh, no. to, <laughs> on that, on those first continents, which you're talking about, like you only got like maybe a hundred experience points top. So like, as I remember, it took me a year, like a long five, months and months and months, maybe even a year to get to like <laughs> Jesus, that sucks. Because that dragon was fucking impossible. As a reward, it would have been great to... It's cool because you got to carry this princess back um, thing, mechanic, which is interesting, but it would have been great to acquire that dragon in the fight against the dragon lord. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, but that mechanical idea just... I wonder if that's one of those ideas that was there but not technically possible at the time that came back, you know, the idea of defeating a boss monster and then using that boss monster to help you defeat the final boss. Um yeah, and and so what ends up happening like um so Luca and Alice like have to work together to kind of um they end up stabbing uh, uh Laja who has this like this uh magical shield in front of him. But they both, like, through their, like, combined powers, they're able to stab him. And you think they're basically going to destroy him because now that all that's left is, is, like, his body's all kind of burned up. He's just basically a floating torso with, like, these uh, arms, like, hands. It's kind of uh, like are- um, Dr. Manhattan when he was trying to reassemble himself and he just would appear yeah. as a floating spleen in the mess hall. Like- <laughs> that's basically all it is. Um, and so they think he's about to, um, they're about to destroy him. But he uses a spell to uh, somehow absorb his mother's uh, power, and so he now he has the Zenithian power, um, and it's explained away because they they are kind of smart here, where they it's not one of those things where he could have just done this all along. Like, why didn't he just do this? The way he explains it is there has been um, like dark power that's been seeping through the portal and that's giving him this power to cast a spell at this moment. Like, cause he wasn't able to do this all along or else he would have just taken her power and just cast the, 
the spell to break open the portal anyway. But he's now just able to do this. Yeah, it's a coincidence or whatever. But at least they take a line of dialogue to explain it to where it's not just this like kind of plot hole that you know they they could have done there. You know, and I, I also want to say that Lodge's character design is my favorite in the whole movie. I think they did an awesome job designing him. He looks freaking crazy, super maniacal. Like he he is awesome looking. It reminds me of how crazy the design was. What was the bad guy in Final Fantasy VI? The fucking jester. Are you talking about of... Kefka? Yeah, like you know what I mean. He had like a crazy. Yeah. Not. A I typical... love Kefka. Yeah, oh, it, it reminds me of that. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just got a really elongated face, like a just a like almost like. Uh, it's just it's 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 really just elongated and it's i i love it it looks great so anyway he emerges uh, and uh you think he's going to un like unlock the portal but i guess alice gets the idea to throw the um the hero sword into the portal and i guess that ends up uh somehow stopping it um and then but here when you think everything's about to go back to normal um like everything starts bursting into these giant pixels and all of the other, um, all of his companions, everyone else uh, stop moving. And it's basically like time stops. It's like that scene in the Sonic movie where he starts running so fast. Um, no one else is moving and the camera kind of pans around everybody. And this like weird, uh, this weird dude shows up that has like this white mask on and he's like super weird looking He's basically explaining that uh, he's a virus and everything that you thought was going on in this uh, movie is not what it seems. And it's kind of this is the big spoiler and big turn of events that happened that okay. we we talked okay. about the first of the show. Now I can get into Rob. Rant, OK, right? now, oh, I'm, all, I'm all hyped. Full on Rob mode. mode. Right. I'm full <laughs> on Rob mode. I want to I want to just go off here and then I'm going to. Let you be the voice of reason, but <laughs> okay. Here's the thing: I can easily see a, a way where you're watching this. You go, son of a bitch, fucking VR thing. You know what I mean? Fucking sword art. You know it's not real. None of this actually happened. To which end, I'm gonna say, fucking, it's an animation. None of this really happens. You know what I mean? Like, it, get the fuck out of here with that. <laughs> you know. And second of all, with the fucking VR villain virus thing. The whole point of this is for him to be able to save. How do I say this? Like, like he's saving. Well, I mean, it really, it's to allow Gutrud to come in. You know what I mean, and be the hero mm-hmm. of the story in some way that the game would not allow that to be. You know, but more to the point, um, I feel like, like, for, doesn't every Smash Brothers game end this way, where the fucking system takes over and you got to fight the fucking system that has all the? I don't know. I don't, I've never beaten Smash Brothers game. See, that's how I remember. I just know, like, I get this fuck, like, it's this in the stylization of the characters that they're not fully Toriyama that I hear the most griping over. Yeah, bro, like, fucking. So this week, Final Fantasy VII remake came out, right? The demo. And I'm like, you know, these fucking dudes, when Advent Children came out, everyone was like, look how amazing they look. Oh, they look more human. They're not like little tiny blocks. And they don't have like, even the artwork for Final Fantasy VII was very comic booky. They were like, well, it's more realistic. I'm like, this is not even like, you you love it when Final Fantasy fucking does it, right? But 
Dragon Quest does a little bit of that, and you guys are like, fucking sucks. Like, in Advent Children, if, what if at the end you go to fight the final boss and you find out that they've been playing Final Fantasy VII? I mean, like, I would have preferred that to the fucking... I don't even know what the fuck end happened to Final... And Advent Children, to the point where I, like, I just put the movie on Japanese, and I don't even turn subtitles on. I just listen to it. Because there's only, there's only one sequence in the middle of the film where they all get to fight as a team, and then the team disappears in Advent Children. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's fucking weird movie. So here, so in a third act of a film, typically what happens is, even if you have a giant group, it always pairs down to the final act, always comes down to the protagonist and the antagonist. Like, mm-hmm. it, whatever happens, it always comes down to this pairing of just a single thing. So here, it's happened, but it's been stripped down even more to the point where you it goes to the user and the thing corrupting the game. He gets to save the game. He's in the, the, the fucking game because he loves the game. You know, yeah. not, not so much the storyline, the world, the universe. He gets to save the game beyond saving the storyline of the characters. Now he gets to save the game. That's the whole reason for this happening here. And if you can't, I don't know, man, if you can't get behind, like, I'm not saying this is a decision that would work for every movie. Like, if they made another one, here's how he saves one game again. I wouldn't do that. But for a one-off, this is really clever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is yeah. really, really clever. So, um, I then, I don't know. I I totally didn't get, you know, like, I, I, I thought it was a, an interesting way, uh, like an interesting twist uh, when I watched it. And like I said, I had no idea that there was any sort of controversy um, in the community about this. I just, just, I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. Um, I unfortunately had to see all those those because I have a I use TweetDeck, right? Uh-huh. So I have a thread just type for Dragon Quest, right? Oh, okay, and, yeah. And I you should have just this, uh, muted that. For I, I was getting this like motherfucker, and I'm like, what is going? So I went in thinking, oh, there's going to be this twist that, I, and I watch. I'm like, they don't like this. This they don't like. The fuck out of here, man! Like, so, but that's the whole point. Now he gets to save. The key actually gets agency. It's not just him reliving events and nostalgia. Now he has, in every story, man, you really want your characters to have agency. So there's this thing in basic storytelling, especially with screenplays. You either have a story or a set of scenarios. And you ever watch a movie where you're like, hey, it's just a bunch of shit happening. There's no like real change is going on. I don't really feel like anything's actually happening, but stuff is like happening. Like every Michael Bay movie. So what that comes down to is if you could find a a way so what happens if you come up with the premise and the movie is nothing but the premise what you have is a set of scenarios um there's a screenplay uh consultant who wrote a book about this called uh, jill chamberlain she wrote a book called the nutshell technique um and where she sort of just explains it more clearly but if you ever want to like test this out yourself watch a film and say okay if i replace the lead character with anyone else does it matter if it doesn't matter, you sort of have a set of scenarios. You don't really mm-hmm. have a story. Now, it can still work. It doesn't mean, you know, oh, but the movie worked just fine. Like, if you really look at, what's a good example? Like, Die Hard, if you remove John McClane, it would have just played out and it wouldn't matter. Yeah, but you, it worked. That's an exception, not the rule. Like, if you really want a better chance of your story working out, you want something where if you can't replace the protagonist. So here's where you find out you, the protagonist is the user. And if you, if you replace him, you you don't get the same ending. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. this this is his experience through the game. So um this VR guy, if this hadn't happened and 
I don't know. If this hadn't happened and you just had woken up and you had been playing the game the whole time, then yeah, I'd say you got a problem, right? Because mm. then you have just a set of scenarios where there's this twist at the end and it didn't really matter. But then this matters because he gets to save, you know, the game by a little deus ex machina, but it's it's the slime. And I mean, only fans of Dragon Quest could have come up with this, right? <laughs> like, if, if two screenwriters who had been known for fucking making shitty Alvin and the Chipmunks films had wrote in this movie, written this movie, you would not have gotten this, you know? Like, mm-hmm. the blue slime becomes the hero, like... So good. Yeah, so so what ends up happening is uh, the the virus comes in and says that um, he was put there uh, by this person um, who I guess hates uh, Luca, and he's going to make him wake up, and he's going to destroy the game, um, and Luca somehow starts fighting back, and he's not letting him like destroy the game. Like almost, it's just bases on his will alone. I almost feel like this. They should have named this villain Twitter. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, yeah, yeah. We're going to call this villain the virus Twitter for, for right now. Um, right? It's just it's trying to take that thing that I love and, and shit on all the memories and tell me that it didn't really matter and it's going to fucking ruin it for me. But but we're going to do something about that right now. So. <laughs> uh, and so then it, it, it kind of takes us back out where we see Luca about getting ready to play the actual VR game. And he he's like creating his character. He's talking to this operator outside of um, like the uh, the VR simulator, um, where he's telling him like, "Oh, I want to fight some robots and like keep on all these things." And um, it's basically like setting up all the parameters and rules for the game he's about to play to include him naming his character Luca because he says like, "I always name my characters that." Um, but then it jumps back in uh, to uh, like. Uh, the 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 moment where he's fighting against the virus, and um, there's this really cool scene where he t- he starts talking about like what this isn't just a game to him; it means something more. These are memories, and no matter like what he does, like this is a real thing. Even it's even though it's like this virtual experience, it's real. And we see back in the day, it like jumps way back in the past to um, Luca's birthday, uh, where he opens up a gift and it's dragon quest five and he plays it for the first time. So like we kind of get a sense of like why this means so much to him because he grew up playing dragon quest and, and all these experiences. And, and it, it shows like, you know, the experiences that so many of us had growing up, you know, like playing these games, living with these characters, growing to love them and uh, all the emotions and, and time that is put into it. Uh, and it, it kind of encapsulates like that it is important to have all these things. And um, he goes back and he defeats the virus um, with the help of Gutrude, who shows up. Um, and basically, I guess he's, uh, what, an antivirus like uh, program all along? Yeah, this whole, this whole t- and he's got a voice, too. I like how he has <laughs> yeah. the, a, the, the wizened Japanese mentor. Like, in the Japanese yep. audio, I, probably in the American audio, he probably sounds like, I'm little Gutrude, how you doing? You know what I mean? Like, what does he sound like? It sounds like, like uh, uh, Jar Jar Binks. No, I'm kidding. What does he really sound like? I had um, I'm trying to remember. It's 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 it sounds like an older older guy. Um, kept the try- old, was it like I'm a little old slime? I this whole time I <laughs> you know who it sounded like was funny. It sounded like Baloo from Jungle Book. That's what it sounded like to me. That that voice. Oh, okay, I'll give him some. You'll have so, to go back and listen to it. No, um, I don't want to do that. Like, <laughs> but it's just it's, it's interesting. It, it sounded like it very well could have been the voice actor that did 
that. But obviously, that guy's probably passed okay, away then now. I'll, I'll give them some props for doing that. But generally speaking, like when they replace these voices, you know, the Japanese <laughs> wizen voices, they, they, they sound like cantankerous old stinky peats so yeah, um, yeah. but yeah the voice here is great you know he's just he's got that this whole time i've been you know trying to find a way and this explains why the slime was falling the whole time too because you know you never really get what the hell does i mean the slime's <laughs> following you because it's slime that's how it works and you know? everyone wishes when you play dragon quest that you could have a pet slime just to like be your buddy Bro, I wrote a whole comic book novel that I'm getting ready to start about owning a, about having a pet slime friend because oh, I, I fucking love having. This a, is going to start your next like uh, comic series, isn't it? Where you're going to finally it you literally know, starts real... with the slime, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Game K literally starts with slime. I mean, it's about oh, that's finding awesome. a pet slime. So it's like this. Look, when I say this is my movie. This is it. This is my movie, man. Like my yeah. wife's just looking at me like fucking never gonna. Never going to hear the end of it with this. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. That's hilarious. Um, so then he goes back into the game again, like, uh, and we see uh, the world being restored, which was like uh, previously stripped away. Um, and everyone comes back to life. Um, everyone's like seemingly like going to live a happy, you know, uh, you know, end of the story sort of thing. You think it's getting wrapped up, but at this point, Luca is now self-aware. Like he realizes this is a game. None of this is real, but all of the the characters are still, you know, like emoting and are, are still playing their roles, just like they are, you know, programmed to do. Were, and I think the point is that, and this is probably lost in the subtleties of the translation, but I think the point is that these this world was real to me when I was a kid. Yes, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. They, I know they're not real, but it's real to me. And these are also now my personal experiences with these characters. These versions of these characters, I can't allow these characters to just be deleted. You know what I mean? Yes. Because like, like I don't know. I imagine there's even more subtlety to it, but I get it. I mean, probably the first real time I connected with characters in a game like that was Maniac Mansion, mm-hmm. because you got to play through was it four or five different characters, you know, and doing different shit in that mansion and i had never experienced especially re-experiencing narrative because you'd break that fucking game left and right you have to start over yep so um but but in terms of an rpg for me it was um dra- i mean shining shining forest you know where you you cared about all those characters you know yeah like, especially with that fucking ending to the first one you're like what happens next and you never find <laughs> out i mean until shining forest Gaiden, but whatever um so yeah i mean this is is he dramatizing that? Yeah, he's dramatizing a little bit, but I mean, you tell me we don't give it. When people say, when they're a little heartless and they're like, I don't care about my character, I'm like, all right, play a roguelite. You know what I mean? See if you don't give a shit. Let me go delete your shit. You know what I mean? Like, this is why we get all fucking freaked out about the lack of cloud saves. You know, like, like, because you're like, if I lose my save, I'm never going to get my characters back, you know, kind of thing. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what's going on here. There is this one cool moment as all the, um, you know, all of uh, Luca's like family and friends uh, run off on this like hill. He takes a moment um, and he actually says that, like he says something along the lines of like, this is all still real to me. And he takes a moment, closes his eyes and just kind of like breathes it all in. Like he knows that it's about to end and he wants to take just a moment to. You, you, you want to know how you can get this eternalize right it. now? You want to know how you can get this feeling right now? Right now. If you love Star Wars on any level, forget what you think about the new movies, and, but if you love it, 
go fucking play Vader Immortal, you know, <laughs> in VR. And when you see a star, when you get to actually be in a Star Destroyer and you see this shit, you're just going to be like, I'm fucking here. You yeah, it's awesome, I, man. I know when people go to the new Disneyland stuff, they're like, I'm actually there. I'm like, yeah, but in the VR, I'm really there. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not... I mean, there's no, there's not 700 other fucking fans walking around taking me out of the, the, the experience. So, um, but that's the, that's also the brilliance. These people have to be playing VR because when you really go there, you're like, I'm really, I could just, this moment is amazing. There, there's some VR demos you can get of like Miyazaki films, like, um, you know that sequence in Spirited Away, or where, where. Um, you got like the little like coal mites, the little coal dusties, and there's that dude down there. You, there's things like that where you can go to these moments and re-experience them. And and when you're there, you're just like, fuck it, I'm actually here, man. This is crazy. <laughs> like, I, yeah, so this is, I get this. I get this. I This is why I love VR. When it works, it's like this. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, So now the b- movie basically ends with them on a hill. Uh, with fireworks it's this you know it's this really awesome scene um but after this was over i started thinking about it i was like okay so the whole time it was like this vr uh like game it's experience experience. he's in an arcade they even like designed the arcade it's got giant slime quest shit like if you really it only showed for like a couple scenes but if you if you just pause and free frame it a lot of work was put into that arcade Oh yeah, for sure. It, it looks awesome. Um, but if he basically like lived a whole life in this VR, you know, that game that took about a couple hours. Um, but the, the one thing that I thought was interesting was that, um, once he married Bianca, he must've had sex with her in the game to get her pregnant. Um, no, so they could have jump sequences. The, the, the sequence. No, 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 no. I just mean in the game when he was playing it, he had to have, had that experience no, of having sex it. with her. So no. this would have been the first sex scene, the first canonical Dragon Quest sex scene, I think, is took place in this movie. No, no, it didn't. It, it happened. No, it didn't. He banged her. No. And it the was a great really experience for him. Eight bit pixels too that became CG looking. It's it's just it's he you're seeing it the way he's experiencing different moments. So they just gloss over that by montaging. So it's montaging moments and he's well, wait till the, wait till there's Steve release and people hack that in because that's going to happen. You want to? <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, we're talking about a world where they hack Macho Man into Skyrim. Is that canonical too? You know what I mean? Oh yeah, remember the, uh, the yeah. opening dragon where everything's fucking Macho Man. Like, by the way, the best Macho Man hack I've ever seen is Left for Dead, where all the zombies are Macho Man. Like, oh Jesus! <laughs> oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> like that is that is super fun. Um, so that is the, the movie that that's where it ended. Um, I have to say, I, I didn't know what to expect going into this. Cause I, I, I literally had seen nothing of this movie. Um, I, I hadn't watched any trailers. Uh, I hadn't even seen it even shown on Netflix at all. Uh, and so I watched it this morning and, uh, I really, really enjoyed it. And so I didn't know, I didn't, you know, have any preconceived notions or anything. I just thought, man, uh, I, I thought the animation was top notch. Uh, I thought the voice acting was really well done. I think the story was, was good for what it was. Uh, I, I just, I think overall it was just a very enjoyable film. I think it's fully on par with any other 
you know, theatrical animated uh, kids film released today. It's my uh, favorite and, video game movie of all time. And then Sonic. I can see that. I, if, if you're being such a fan of, of quest, I could, I could have, um, I thought it was really well done. Yeah. So if you haven't watched it and you're still listening to this, uh, definitely go check it out, man. Cause it's, it's on Netflix, man. There's tons of crap on Netflix. Um, and this is one of those that's actually really good. And it's, it's a, got, got a heartwarming story. It's totally kid safe. It doesn't, there, it doesn't show that sex scene. Like I talked about before. So thankfully it glosses <laughs> over that. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's good, man. I think, I think people's kids will like it. Um, it's, it, it, you know what? It's just a lot of it too, is just the character design is just so well done. Uh, it's, kids are going to enjoy it for that alone, but there's such so much else that's good there. Um, that, uh, I think it's something that you could sit down and watch with your family and they're going to get a lot out of it too. The best way it's ever been described to me about dragon quest is dragon quest is meant to be played literally right before bedtime. They're fairy tale stories. They're not mm-hmm. super dramatic. Oh my God. They're, they're fun, lighthearted, nostalgic fairy tale stories that you literally play an hour before bed and um the movie captures that perfectly yeah absolutely um is there any anything else you want to say about the movie or anything else about it uh before we Hmm. wrap this one up Hmm. yeah I, i hope look i would love to see netflix um pay the studio to make a whole series out of the different games. You know what I mean? Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't know how much at what level of detail they could do that they've done here, but um, mining the Dragon Quest games for CGI series, I, if you want to get me behind a CGI anime, then that's how you do it. Because the Dragon Quest stuff, if, if people could experience it through animation, I think they, they'd go to the games even further. You know what I mean? Like, um, the stories are there on Dragon Quest to do it. <laughs> And, you know, and to your point, like I, this makes me want to go play Dragon Quest Five, you know, because like I'm now invested in the characters and everything. Uh, and so, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna download it right now on my phone uh, because I I never I guarantee I never would have played it or really had much interest uh, to play it um, until you know I, I watched this and now I'm I'm super uh, I'm super invested in the characters and stuff. I'd love to see what it uh, plays like and see the differences now. And if I were Sega, I would hire the studio to make a Shining Force film. That's what I was going to say is that, um, you know, like Sega, and they talked about a few years ago, how they're going to come out with like, uh, some like, like, what was it? Like altered beast movies or TV show or something yeah. like that. And all these other IP. I think this is the type of stuff they should go for. Not live action. Uh, any of that bull crap because chances are it's going to be crap. We've they should seen just... live action Sega like House of Deads and I mean, yeah, and Sonic works at its best when it it's not the live action stuff. You know what I mean? When it's yeah, the and, I mean that was an anomaly. That should have been like uh, terrible. Um, but and works... just the fact that it wasn't. But I mean, but Jim Carrey is like a human cartoon. So when yeah. it's called more cartoon, it works the most, you know, when it's more human, <laughs> you're sure. like, uh, I don't really know if I want this. And the I wish they would do something like this though. I think it would, could work out really well. And the character designs of the first two drag shining force games 
are phenomenal. I mean, no one has. I mean, that, that Landstalker. I mean, Landstalker was a Shining Force game, so it's Shining Force Diablo. But um, mm-hmm. so like, um, Shining in the Darkness. That 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 art style is just waiting to be CGI. You know, in this style, and all the characters. Jeez, this game's fifteen dollars on the Google Play Store. You know, oh, Square well. Enix always likes to charge a lot. You know what I mean? Bastards. Games. That's the Square Enix pricing model. So, yeah. you know, man, if it helps fund, look, I I bought both Dragon Quest Heroes games and Dragon Quest Builders just to ensure Dragon Quest Eleven got ported. So, you know. I would say uh, you could spend Thank fifteen you bucks on you. You could <laughs> you could you could spend fifteen bucks on one movie ticket. Think about that. That's true. So, all right, I'm downloading it. Um, so yeah, that's going to be this week's uh, sideshow. You know, it's not every sideshow episode where we watch actually something that uh, everyone enjoys. Uh, and so I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad we watched something that's actually, uh, quality this time around because we've had some stinkers on here and actually that's fun to do, uh, every once in a while just to watch a really crappy movie. Cause it's, it's funny to, to, uh, to kind of poop on it, but this one was a good one, man. I'm, I'm happy I watched it. Uh, and Odin hasn't finished it yet. Actually, he went to a friend's house. So I think, uh, he just came home. So I think I'm going to go downstairs and, uh, finish this one with him and, and see what he thinks about it. Um, but that's going to do it uh, for this week's episode. Uh, remember, if you want to support Megavisions, you can go to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Megavisions, where you can choose between a digital or a physical edition of the magazine. Uh, and we ship worldwide, so you can just look on all the different tiers and find the one that applies to you. And you can go ahead and subscribe. And we will not charge you until we are almost done with the magazine. Uh, this issue is kind of an anomaly, uh, but we're going to get back to our regular uh, way of uh, business uh, going forward with issue uh, nine and 10. And, uh, or I should say issue 10 is next, I think. Right. Cause we're on, we just finished. This is going to be issue nine, right? Sure. No, six, seven. This is issue eight. Issue nine is next. Yeah. Issue nine. I've lost count folks. Right, but... Production on 10 is starting. Maybe one day we'll be able to make, a Mega Visions experience VR game where you get to just spend a hundred hours in Rob's room while he sits there drawing, you know, a turtle. But you, they have to like keep your motivation up because you start losing motivation. Yeah, I gotta keep like, the motivation up while I also make videos explaining to Patreon people why it's taking so long. You know what I mean? They so have to like, get you tea and like you know, like uh, feed your dog. Uh, and then Graham shows up so. trying to like. Added new ways to make the magazine that don't help actually finish. He's the virus. <laughs> yeah, That's I, know, hilarious. Right? I didn't call him a virus. You call him a virus. I want to. But then you you realize that you're actually using my PC also, and it keeps giving you a blue screen of death, and so you lose all your progress. <laughs> yeah, I like it's going to get real fun in the. We coming can months. make this video game actually. That would be <laughs> hilarious. Where <laughs> it's going to get real fun in the next coming months when we do like regular production updates, and it's all like how you just spent. Did we kind of get your computer to work properly? Like, yeah. I pray that isn't the case, but I fear for it. You know, maybe we'll just can't, we'll have to do a GoFundMe so people can help me buy like a new CPU <laughs> motherboard. GoFundMe, you're better off trying to raise a motherboard for your dog. You know what I mean? Yeah, put, put the bulldog up on there. Like that'd be. <laughs> I'll do it. So anyway, that's gonna do it. Uh, hopefully, you like this episode and go check out Dragon Quest: Your Story. We will be back next week with a regular episode of the Mega Vision Show. 
that's going to do it. We will see you later. Dragon Quest. Great Dragon Quest. Did Dragon Quest V Annex